Here we go. One, two, three. Plastic. Climate. That's good, yeah. That's a good one. Future.com. Future. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we got him on the run, Chris. I mean, we have him on the run. I mean, Bob Dylan has said, hey, I step aside, so we're on our way. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's again uh, when you hear this jingle, it must be the Tuesday or Thursday night because uh, it's time for the Plastic Climate Future podcast, and we see that our guest is still there. It's still there even uh, after this jingle, and uh, we need to check his audio. <laughs> <laughs> we have to check his audio for sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and we're we're super happy to, to have him here. So we definitely don't want to scare him. Um, and uh, yeah, John, let us uh, welcome tonight uh, Chris Tuller from Anything But Ordinary and many other things <laughs> that he will tell us about. Hi, Chris. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I'm deeply impressed by the jingle. So I can't wait what's, what's happening in the next wait for the 40 outro. minutes or hour, but the jingle made it worth joining. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, this one, this one we, we, we took the first hurdle. That's perfect. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah, Chris, uh, thanks for coming. And uh, as we always uh, invite mostly the people because of a, a very interesting personal story, that's the thing that we usually start with. Um, so before you tell us about what you're actually doing with your different companies and uh, activities uh, that I've already checked on the web um, and we already spoke about before, maybe tell us a bit more about your, yeah, who is Chris? Where you come from, where you tuning in from, And what brought you here? Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me again. Uh, Chris is a creative guy from Linz in Austria. Uh, yeah, I'm turned 50 already two years ago, 52 years old. And yeah, I'm a passionate creative and I focus my projects on sustainability. Also corporate culture is a big topic I focus on. Plastic was always a huge part of my work, but we will talk about that later. I worked for a company called uh, Runtastic, which is owned by the Adidas Group for 10 years. And two years ago, I uh, left and opened my own creative agency. And yeah, I try to make uh, companies more sustainable or at least help them uh, find ideas they can work with that makes our world a little bit better. And uh, it's connected very much to sustainability or a lot of these activities are connected to, to sustainability. Was there some pivotal moment or some interesting moment in your life where you said, hey, I need to do something about the earth becoming more sustainable or you know a, a certain environmental problem or maybe even plastics? <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a great question, but it's not very easy to answer because it it may lie back a few years. But if I remember, so there, uh, I was living in Australia back in 2007 to 2011. And in Australia, 
life happens outside and you are you're always at the ocean and so you're deeply connected with nature uh, so this was for for sure one big inspiration and i can remember one moment actually that um uh started a lot of, of of things because i was in an internet cafe that was around 2008 2009 I, I don't know the exact year that was the time before we all had smartphones so i was in a in a small asian <laughs> internet cafe in sydney australia and i watched a movie called home home it's uh, from from this french guy jan artus bertrand so it's a, a, a movie about climate change. I, I still love mm -hmm. it. And I can remember that at the very end. Uh, so the movie is about that Mother Earth or Earth is talking to you. And you see a lot of problems we, we face and also a lot of solutions. And I can remember at the very end of the movie, uh, Earth tells you uh, something like, this is my story. And now that you know it, you can decide what you want to do with it. And I got goosebumps all over my body. I, I, I can really remember and I thought, okay, whatever I will do in the future, I, I hope that I can contribute and make this world a little bit better. So that was one really pivotal moment that changed a lot. Uh, but at that time, I didn't really know exactly what to do. So... There was another moment, but we will talk about that a little bit later. My first spark of Run for the Oceans, that's when I was stand-up paddling in Manly. That's a, a very beautiful little a suburb in Sydney. Uh, I was stand-up paddling a lot, and um, I found a plastic bag floating in the in the sea. And But we will talk about that later. That was also one moment that inspired me a lot. And probably the last one, uh, but I was already working uh, on topics like Run for the Ocean, was my honeymoon in Bali 2019, where I experienced firsthand uh, the devastating situation in Bali, for example, when you, when you uh, go for a walk in the morning for sunrise, uh, the beaches are covered with plastic trash that is got spilled off during the night uh, yeah and probably those moments uh, um, just I, I knew that i i have to do something about it and use my talent which is probably that i'm creative uh, to to create some good projects that can help finding solutions for that or at least uh, creating awareness Hmm. So, so are, are you a runner yourself? Mm, well, I was working for a digital running company, so I was, I was a runner, but it's not my biggest passion. Uh, so I like stand-up pedaling. I like table tennis. So, uh, yeah, but I, I, from time to time I go for a run, but I'm not a, a, an athlete like so many of my friends so okay so run for the oceans uh i mean I, i've heard of this myself through uh getting to know a little bit about you over the past uh few days and uh matt talking about this uh but 
I mean, maybe we're jumping the gun here a little bit, but uh, uh, I mean, can you tell me a little bit about Run for the Oceans as if I, I don't know anything, which is pretty easy to assume. I think. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, Run for the Oceans is uh, probably based on participants, the biggest sustainability ca campaign in the world. And, and yeah, it was my idea. So I can tell you a little bit about where the idea came, came from. Um, Actually, it was also uh, back in Australia uh, when I was stand-up paddling. I found a plastic bag, and this was my first spark in my idea that this is doesn't uh, feel good. And I have to say that was back 2008, 2009. So that was when plastic, ocean plastic pollution was not such a big topic like it is today. So there were maybe the Sea Shepherd or this, the local surf clubs were cleaning up beaches, but no big brands or, or the media were, were talking about it. So I knew that I want to do something about it, that I, I always said I want to use my creativity to create a project that helps the oceans uh, be protected from from plastic trash, but I had no idea what to do. So years, sorry. <laughs> uh, so years went by, uh, and I came back to Austria back in 2011, and I started to work for a company called Runtastic. Uh, even at that time, they were one of the world's biggest mobile health and fitness providers with a running app at that time it was called the runtastic running app uh, and um, i was now working for a real digital powerhouse with millions of users but i still had no idea what to do i still had this spark in my mind protecting the oceans but still no idea the next big boom actually came 2015 when the Adidas group acquired Runtastic. Um, and so that I was now working for one of the best and biggest sports brands in the world with a lot of brand power. So there was brand power, there was digital power, there was still my spark in my mind to protect the oceans, but still no idea. And the moment actually that changed it all uh, was 2015, end of 2015, COP21 Paris. So the famous climate conference um, when Eric Litke, he was at that time CMO at Adidas, uh, presented with Cyril Gutsch, he's the founder of Pali for the Oceans. Uh, they launched the Adidas Pali collaboration. And they presented this running shoe made out of recycled uh, ocean plastic with design fishnets that was collected by the Sea Shepherd Foundation. So I was, and I saw this and was super impressed because there was now even a product that was so close to my initial spark to protect the oceans. And then I think within a week, uh, all the pieces fell into place and I created Run for the Oceans, which uh, was uh, a digital running campaign, a digital running challenge uh, with a very simple but powerful mechanism. So Runtastic and Adidas uh, engage all the users and consumers to go for a run, track their run with the Adidas running app. So now it's called Adidas running app. 
um, and track the kilometers. Adidas converts the distance into a donation and Pali for the Oceans, a nonprofit based in New York, receives the donation to clean up beaches globally. So very simple, but very powerful. Yeah, and the rest is, is history. It started first time 2016. Uh, we had, uh, we had 60,000 uh, participants and over the years we could make in total more than 14 million people all over the world uh, join the campaign. And so that's why based on participant, it's probably the biggest sustainability campaign in the world. So that's in a nutshell run for the ocean. So, but there are so many things I could tell you about. So it's fantastic. Yeah. And it, and it goes on, it's going to go on, right? This is yeah. something that you keep on and doing. Now I run for the oceans. Uh, Adidas stopped it like two years ago because they now um, changed it to the slogan move for the planet because they want to uh, open it up a little bit to other sports as well. So that not only running is the main sports, but also uh, whatever it is like from yoga to hiking to tennis. So mm, that's really fascinating. I mean, this connects uh, with so many things that, that are in uh, Matt and I's, uh, Matt and our uh, earlier podcast guests and, and future uh, guests. Uh, I'm thinking of a couple here. One is Five Guyers. Uh, it's it's an it's a um, uh, an, I think it's a um, foundation research based institute, also, yeah. research yeah, foundation. With, uh, yeah. Marcus Erickson, I think, is his name. He was on our podcast. Uh, and uh, the five guyers. I didn't know what guyers was until uh, we we started doing this research on his his work, uh, and and so that's that's a connection. Also, uh, we have connections with this entity called Waste Free Oceans uh, here, uh, based in, in in Brussels, and uh, they've been around I think for twelve years now, uh, and uh, they they do a lot of of activity too, uh, taking you know ocean bound plastic. And, and collecting it and then turning it into uh, recycled materials. Uh, so, so, so this is really, really right up uh, our, our alley of experience and interest. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I, I share with you the same. I'm, I'm a little bit of a runner. I used to be, uh, cool. uh, but over the past 10 years, not so much. Uh, so so uh, if I was running today, I'd maybe pick up on this app and start using it. But uh, this is really cool. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you mentioned partly for the oceans. Um, <clears throat> so you were also then working together with them, and was it also part of your you know, daily, or, or did you did you even continue then uh, working on other campaigns and involve them? How how did they come to the puzzle? Well. I have to say I, I was working for Rantastic and not for Adidas. So the Adidas Pali mm -hmm. collaboration was like more than uh, just uh, being a part of Run for the Ocean. So it was a lot about product, which I was not involved at all. So they created a lot of uh, products uh, made out of uh, recycled Pali ocean plastic, which is ocean bound plastic. Uh, but I was not a part of that uh, part. But uh, the campaign itself was very beneficial for the Adidas Pali collection, though, because uh, they now had the perfect uh, campaign 
to promote the sustainable product lines and even without uh, um, putting it in the spotlight like the, the sales just increased because of the campaign was so successful and so many people were interested in the topic plastic pollution so um, yeah and Cyril, Cyril Gutsch uh, the founder of Pali he's a uh, a good friend and a, a real visionary. So he's unstoppable. He works with so many other brands. Uh, just like he, uh, this week, he, he just announced another uh, great art collaboration project. Uh, yeah, so it, it's it's great to know those guys. But I met him once at a, once at a conference. He's really yeah. also a very special <laughs> guy. So, yeah. yeah, when he's speaking and so on, you can feel like. Is, is, is very strong power. Um, yeah, but so it sounds like, you know, it, it created a lot of also awareness because you, you, you actually mentioned this was 2000 back in, started back in 2008, you know, this topic of plastic waste was uh, only interesting or only familiar with people actually who, who had this experience at the ocean, but it wasn't such a big mm -hmm. deal. Um, and now that you see how much awareness you could create, uh, how do you see perceive the role also of such big brands with ha which have this brand power? How did it change over the last year? Did you see also from 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 your work that they used also this power in a positive way, or I don't know, transformed also their their brand image to 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 help to creating this awareness, or is it more? Yeah, run like by, by people like you <laughs> who bring this creativity with uh, you know their personal from from their personal experiences. Well, I think in the in the end, I'm, I I don't work for Adidas uh, anymore, and I'm not an Adidas representative. I can only say that it it depends on the people. I think at at, at that time when we started run for the ocean. Uh, run for the oceans. Eric Litke was uh, in the board. He was brand president. He is a surfer. He is an ocean man. He is fully committed to sustainability. I can tell you a little bit about what he's doing now. He's not with Adidas anymore. Uh, and I think if you have someone in the in the in the management, in the top management, who is so dedicated, uh, then. Every, Impossible is nothing, as Adidas say, you know. And then a lot of things can change, even in a tanker like Adidas, in a stock company where you obviously have to make a lot of money. But yeah, so for me personally, it always depends on 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 who who is who who is at the top of the of the board and of the company. Not only with Adidas, I think with every company. And that's what we experience. So if we you have really dedicated, passionate people, uh, then you can um, create a, a lot of impact and a lot of change. So a short answer would be: it's not about the brand itself; it's about the people behind. That's my, <laughs> the steering wheel. That's my personal opinion. And, yeah. and uh, even if you look uh, at companies like Patagonia, you know, it, it started with Yvonne Chenard and, and other people who were just passionate about creating this amazing company. So it all also started with people. And 
Yeah, or I just I just came from the ISPO and uh, there was uh, Faude and uh, I met also Antje von Davids who is the uh, the the main person also behind the brand and and you see like she's just living it so that's why can see the same thing actually yeah yeah i mean uh, chris if you're if you're uh, looking today at, at you know where we are in this world that we're living in you know with all the stuff that's happening in the world uh i, I do you have any uh, any concern uh that that with all the other things that are happening all the time in this world that we're in uh either you know related to politics or economics or war and peace or this that and the other um that uh, the issue of of climate change and the the concern that that you have for doing what you can to make things a little bit better and we share um, that that these type of uh, topics can be put on the side or do you think that even with in spite of everything that's going on in the world uh, that 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 uh, do you see that that the commitment that uh, that you you uh, seek with uh, those who are in in places where they can have influence uh, has that, has that had any? Do you see that increasing, decreasing, or how do you mm-hmm. see that considering the situations that come and go? Yeah, that's a great question. I definitely see it decreasing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So it was, in my opinion, a lot better before Corona at that time. So we 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 not only with with my own work but also how i see that people behave when they go shopping uh, or mm-hmm. what companies do and as an agency i can say that i focus on this topic sustainability a lot and this is the first topic that they put aside as you said in ter- in times when they uh, need to cut costs uh, because they have the, the the costs for the power is too much or whatever so sustainability still not has the priority that it needs and if we just look at what happened at cop 21 that there are more oil lobbyists than climate activists uh and yeah so you know what's happening and that's a really a sad sign and now we have eight years since cop 21 in paris and still not much is happening so I fear we need a, a, a sense of urgency and I don't think that we get it from the politicians. So I think we, we cannot wait or let the politicians uh, take the lead. I always thought that the corporates uh, should take the lead because they are very powerful. But what I experience at the moment that, yeah, they are also putting it a little bit aside. I think there will come the time when they have to focus on it. I'm just waiting for it. Um, but at the moment, I think it it decreased. Uh, it, it We had better years already uh, and all those topics. And also as when I see people behaving, what they eat, what they buy, how much they buy, I think we are back to don't know five years ago where we didn't really think about it yeah it's funny that you say that because especially with sports brands who are like now 
starting with uh, with Patagonia because we had it, you know, don't buy this jacket campaign, yeah. right? Saying people should buy less and more conscious and stuff like that. And then we actually now have the situation where people buy less and those brands are now in panic and like, okay, how can we survive? We have to, you know, try to sell our stuff that we produced mm -hmm. over Corona mm -hmm. and stuff like this. And you see like this kind of paradox situation. Um, and, but you just mentioned the, the sense of urgency and, uh, because stalking you on, on the web, uh, you have, uh, you have uh, this experience of having had uh, to or had the chance to speak to to uh, Jane Goodall, right? Um, how do you see? Because you said corporates have the power; they might not use it. How do you see people like her? And and how was this experience to speak with her in terms of you know creating a sense of urgency and really the power of people like her to 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 create this awareness? Also, I mean, also your work that you're doing. Yeah, it, it was an absolute highlight. She's such a, a nice person. She's 90 years of age and like is traveling the world like, like a 20 year old. So I think this week she's in Australia. Last week she was in the US. Then she's in next week in UK. So she's just traveling to share her message. And her message is that we should not lose hope, but that we have to act now. And she's talking to the biggest uh, leaders in the world. Uh, she's talking to school kids, so she's just unstoppable. And yeah, it's just she's 19 years old, so say, same as David Attenborough. So those people, we won't have them for hopefully like another 10 years, but you know, like uh, the days uh, are counted and, and we... When we lose those great souls, I, I hope that that we find young ones that really follow their lead. Um, but it was it was amazing. She's just like I don't know. She even if she speaks to you, she looks straight in your eyes. I think she learned that from the chimpanzees because they also do that, and she told me about it. And it's somehow crazy if someone's talking to you and looking straight in your eyes. You you don't even know what to do it's it, it feels weird but <laughs> yeah that, i mean that, that is a yeah I, I saw that on your on your website recently and i was i was uh, indeed i was uh, i was listening to what you were saying for sure don't get me wrong chris but indeed uh just watching her her movements how she what she says how she says it uh indeed she she is uh she's a real um i i i heard the question you asked her what what it's like to have the to carry the, the, the title of, uh, of hero. What's it like? That must be paraphrasing as I recall what you're asking her. Um, and, and, you know, I, in my, my sense is that she, she has a lot of experience carrying that and she carries it really well, uh, with, uh, it, my sense is she knows, uh, how important what she says is, uh, but she has the humility to be able to convey that message without, uh, if you will, ego that is getting in the way. I mean, that's that's really uh, something that uh, that 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 I think uh, uh, that that e even if you're famous or not, that we can uh, all work on cultivating that type of way of working and being and and looking to the younger generation. Um, 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not yet 90, but sometimes I feel like I'm 120. Uh, but but I'm I'm a little bit not quite there at 90 yet. I'm 120 divided by two basically. Uh, but uh, one of the things that's been inspiring me uh, over the past few years, uh, and certainly since we started Plastic Climate Future, is is indeed uh, the younger generation uh, that that we encounter out there in the world. Of course. The activists, uh, let's say the, the great Thunbergs of the world, who uh, uh, whether one agrees if, with every tactic or everything that's said there, what I have to say 100% that I appreciate from activists that, that have this passion and commitment is that they give a damn, you know, is that they really do care. Uh, and, and they turn the heads of old people like me who come from industry when, when I'm walking down a beach in 2019 in Greece, uh, 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 off the side of Thessaloniki, come around and see uh, that proverbial, you know, that pile of waste that washed up on the shore, you know. And this was, for me, my epiphany. When that happened to me back in 2019, I was working licensing technology, uh, and it was in that moment where, where I, I realized, you know, I, I can't do, uh, I can't change the world, but to paraphrase lead singer of you too. I can change the world in me uh, and I can do my part. And, and it was there that I decided to, to, uh, to make a shift and, and do something about this, but not, uh, but in my way, because looking at that pile of plastic waste, uh, I was looking at my career. I could identify the plastics. I could identify some of the very applications that I remember dropping off these containers off, off the headquarters in Brussels uh, with Neste uh, testing the impact resistance of these containers made of polyethylene, washed up on the shore. Uh, and and so, so uh, what I'm inspired by is this younger generation. Uh, and to contrast that, you know, with a little bit of self-deprecating humor here maybe is, uh, uh, you know, when, the, when I was growing up, uh, I was, I'm from the U.S., peace man, peace. Uh, I've been living here in Europe for 30 years plus. Um, but when I was growing up, it was the age of the uppie, you know, it was the age of the me. It was the age of, you know, how do I, you know, get more and more and more. And uh, that's what it was all about, you know, uh, to, to be a little bit, uh, you know, too much uh, generalizing here a bit. But that was very much kind of the, the atmosphere where now the atmosphere, is, is it has not gone all the way over to we don't, uh, care about, you know, taking care of ourselves and our families and, and having nice things. But it's, it's kind of, in my view, kind of gone to being a lot more realistic. Uh, they, these younger people are, are very realistic about where the world is. Uh, they're not cynical uh, and they're not burying their heads in the sand. They, they are really facing it and trying to do uh, what they can to make it a little bit better. And so I, I have a hope for the generation coming ahead of uh, behind us. Yeah, so do I. And I think if they are a little bit like Jane Goodall, because one one thing that I was so impressed by was that she's very positive. So she she talks about hope and optimism, and and sometimes the younger generation talk a lot about uh, they are more pessimistic and. That's just their way, how they do it. But that's what I loved about change. She is optimistic. And I think this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And, and go ahead. Oh, sorry, Matt, you go ahead. I, 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 but I, but I do want to say something about this. I mean, another thing that, 
you know, that inspires me and kind of motivated where, where I, where we are today with plastic climate future and, uh, is, is, you know, if you go back in 2019, 2020, uh, and, and it's kind of here today as well. And it's still here, unfortunately, you know, it is, it's, Every so many forces and, and individuals in some cases are doing everything they can to create division, you know, be it uh, along the lines of economics or politics or religion or this or that or the other. Uh, and it, it is very much um, the, 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 the currency of a lot of uh, folks to, to try to profit from creating division, you know, and um, I think that that's really, uh, really, really unfortunate. And uh, so what, what, what uh, we're trying to do here a little bit is say, you know, um, yeah, uh, we, let's take the industry, uh, let's put it in a big, use that term, and the activists. Um, we don't have to agree on everything at all, uh, and, but we don't have to demonize the other. You know, we don't have to... Uh, say you're bad, we're good. Uh, we don't trust your motives. You, uh, you're you're looking for the money, or you're you're, uh, you're just you know uh, too much of an idealist or something. It's like we need to put away these you know d- dispense with stereotypes and caricatures is how I put it. And, and I think that this is uh, uh, also kind of what what we're trying to do here. Matt, I'm talking too much. Over to you, sir. <laughs> No, but uh, because now that we talk about future, being optimistic about the future, and um, we're still a material podcast a bit, right? (laughs) Um, And now I have one question that I wanted to ask you because, you know, we are the nerds kind of from the development of these all these different material technologies and deal a lot with uh, on the let's say upstream supply and you're you're came to this topic of because you saw like you know instead of pedaling you saw the consequences um and then somehow you also dealt with you know different types of plastics different types of, of material technologies the problems that they cause <clears throat> and uh when we look into like from from your perspective uh, on the different sustainable material types that you maybe encounter, um, do you do you or, or which type of uh, yeah uh, technologies do you think uh, have uh, the potential to actually make a shift to a more sustainable way of using? plastic and, and man-made materials or do you think we should shift completely to renewable bio-based materials well uh, I'm I'm not a product guy at all so I'm not into material but I would like to share some light on uh, my big inspiration Eric Litzke so he was he was like the CMO at that time at Adidas but also a few years he left uh, a few years ago he left adidas and created his own brand unless collective uh, and it's a streetwear brand uh, fully based uh, plant-based so all the products are 100 plant-based and uh, you can even decompose them uh, and you uh, I, you you can even chuck it in the garden theoretically, and it it goes back to to the earth where it came from. 
and Eric don't uh, don't uh, doesn't do that just because uh, he wants to create a new brand. He wants to change the entire industry, uh, the fashion industry, because the fashion industry is based on plastic. Plastic is based on oil and. Even the even if they now uh, work a lot with recycled uh, fabrics, the recycling industry is also not uh, where it should be. So you you guys know that way better than I do. Uh, but I think if we want to really create a shift, we have to look uh, uh, beyond plastics. That's my personal opinion. And yeah, there are so many innovations out there uh, which. I have no idea about, but I think that's the way to go plant-based or biofabrics as you uh, mentioned. So, or put way more effort in, in, in improving the recycling uh, industry. Uh, uh, uh. And um, from your, from your personal also experience uh, with, um, yeah, especially impactful technologies. Um, I know that you've had a, uh, a keynote that you were talking about, uh, also kind of connecting, you know, both worlds. That's a must-have, I think, to have digital. So I learned that at Runtastic with a million user base, so that where you can scale ideas, you can scale uh, awareness and just... As we speak now, this maybe one minute, uh, if we think about what's happening in the meantime on WhatsApp, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, email, so m millions of messages are sent around. And uh, I always thought about, you should actually uh, use this enormous power of digital technology to share the right messages, to inspire people, to uh, change behaviors. And this is, why Run for the Oceans was so successful because uh, the core of Run for the Oceans always was the digital running campaign. That's why we uh, could scale it up to 14 million, not only with Runtastic, but we also collaborated with running apps in China or even Strava was uh, participating in Run for the Oceans, the biggest competitor. Uh, and that was also a great message that this problem is way bigger than any competition could ever be and i think this is how you should uh, use digital like to create positive change in the world and not like it's now to manipulate people and uh, scared uh, and 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 make them scared about how the world is developing so that is in a nutshell what i'm talking about in my keynote uh mm -hmm. But it also kind of brings the people, you know, people together that normally wouldn't come together. And exactly. This is the essence for, for the innovation that we need, because it, it has to be a systemic change. You need to have a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, yeah, disruptions also. And, and that's, that's why you have this to create this awareness, but you also have to provide the space where people can, can meet and exchange to, to, yeah, to create these new ideas, create these new innovations. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, one thing, um, because I see, uh, looking at the time, we, uh, we still have one very important question. Uh, <laughs> before that, however, um, I had one, one last question from my side. I don't know if, uh, if you, John, still also have one. Um, but reflecting, like, on your, on your, yeah, very broad experience and, and you know, focusing on, on the... Uh, awareness creation, but also you know being in the field of of, of sports uh, of the sports industry, where you where you have very close contact with with consumers and so on. Uh, what was your most important learning when driving sustainability and also like uh, sustainable material and product innovations in the consumer world? Well, like there were so many great achievements uh, with the campaign. So it was just amazing to see how big an idea can become through digital, through brand power, through, as I said, passionate people uh, at the top of a, of a, of a, of a, a big uh, corporate. There's so many memories like from, uh, I saw Bush Khalifa be branded with Run for the Oceans. I was in New York and the Empire State Building turned blue because of Run for the Oceans. My biggest idols like Lionel Messi or David Beckham, uh, they uh, were running with Run for the Oceans t-shirts and promoting my idea. So that, that was just amazing but what made me most proud obviously was that like beaches got cleaned up uh with our friends from pali from southeast asia to india from bali to the maldives and and that makes me really proud because it started with a little idea and through digital and through the brand power of a company like adidas it it can inspire millions around the world and can create global awareness uh, engage communities uh, also, not only to have fun while doing good, but also to think about their own personal habits, uh, how they can change that. I, for example, also did when I can remember when I was in New York for the Run for the Oceans event, I thought to myself, I cannot go to New York for a, uh, for an event that battles uh, plastic waste uh, and then uh, use single-use plastic. So I, I created my own personal challenge and said the entire time I, in New York, I, I don't use any single-use plastic. And that started from the moment I entered the plane in Europe. And you can imagine what that means. So you cannot eat <laughs> or drink anything in the plane because everything is served in single-use plastic. So I had to bring my fill-up water bottle with me, an apple and bread. I couldn't accept any lunch or dinner. And there were crazy things. So it was so hard. I can remember in New York once I, I had my, my Pali water bottle and went to a restaurant and said, can you please fill it up with tap water and and the waiter said i can fill it up i but i i'm not allowed to touch your your bottle so i can give you a plastic cup with water and you can fill it in your water bottle and then i said but it's 
why I have a water bottle because I don't want to use this cup. And this showed me how, how crazy our world has become because even if you want to avoid it, it's sometimes impossible. And, and this is what we also wanted to uh, create awareness awareness about what can you actually do what should you do uh, because if we all change a little bit you know that's what also Jane Goodall said in my interview so yeah but it's funny that you say it because I, I was also now you know on one hand it's good to to, to be aware of these uh, of these uh, yeah alternatives to single-use plastics and then now it's very normal like you know to bring your own water bottle to the airport and so on. yeah but what i've seen changed. Uh, recently right. is it's also like sometimes getting a bit into the wrong direction because i recently had you know uh it was also like a ready-made meal with uh I think some wood-based or paper-based uh, mm -hmm. uh, cup or something or, or dish. Uh, and then uh, there was a, a wood-based fork in it, which was wrapped in plastic. <laughs> yeah. so, so, <laughs> you know, people just lose sight of, of what's, what's happening in the end and what should be, what should be done right. Um, yeah, um, I mean, before we get to the most important question of the evening, uh, um, if I, I I can ask you a quick a question, a question, Chris, you've pretty much touched on this, and so so I, I think um, I think I can can kind of guess some of the words that you would put in there because I think the word keep uh, remain optimistic, be positive, uh, don't be overtaken by cynicism because if that happens, then you just maybe don't you just give up. Uh, but but for me, since uh, coming uh, out of this world of, of the the big polymer producers uh, and the petrochemical industry and so on, um, looking to the, the leadership at these type of companies. Uh, so these are not, not necessarily having direct uh, production of, of products that are going straight to uh, consumers, but, you know, they're B2B making products that go to uh, that have brand owners are, are having a lot of stake in. Uh, they're making all kinds of products at the end of the value chain that go to consumers. Um, but these big corporations uh, that are in charge of these companies making a whole lot of this stuff at the beginning of the value chain, uh, what, if you could give some advice to someone like me uh, to, to interact with these type of folks, uh, as, as, as I know you do as well, uh, would it be the same message as, as, uh, as, as I, I was uh, Thinking that that you would you would say in terms of remain optimistic and so on, would you uh, advise them in some certain way to look into other things that they're looking into today, or anything that you would say to these folks uh, that would be helpful for me and us to uh, to to know uh, because uh, we would like to be able to to uh, help in the cause of making this a better place. Mm. I don't know what I would tell to those folks but what i usually uh, say my advice is always first of all uh, you have to be authentic that means that you have to focus on what you can do not what others are doing but what you can do so if you're a sports brand you can do that if you're an oil company you can do another thing but 
So if you are really authentic uh, and and look within first, and I mean not with yeah within personally, but also within your company, uh, then I think you can you can change a lot, and you can also you should also ask your employees uh, maybe to help you with. Uh, creating change because they know your company often better than you do. Uh, so this is one advice. The other one is always be bold and think really big uh, because I think it's way too late to play small. And um, yeah, our world has a lot of problems. So we need a lot of big ideas and a lot of innovations. And so a lot of people should be bold. Um, And uh, one uh, thing is uh, you don't even need to do it yourself, but collaborations are the key. Adidas did a lot of great collaborations uh, in, in that space with Allbirds, which is also a very sustainable company. And they created a, an amazing running shoe. I think the, the, the one running shoe with the lowest uh, carbon footprint ever. So... Not that they scale it up to millions of shoes, but at least they work on collaborations to find out what they could do to make their business uh, more sustainable. And I think collaborations is one key. There are so many amazing, innovative startups. So if the big players would more look into those startups and uh, ask them for help to change their own companies uh, they could do a lot and it is possible so i just uh, again uh, saw an article about Ørsted, this danish uh, company which created a full transformation within just 15 years from uh, oil and gas based company to now a company which is fully based on on renewable energies so they are fantastic role model that whatever you do even if you work with oil and gas you you can um, create a lot of change and that's that makes our world uh, a better place. Mm -hmm. I, I think uh, uh, just reflecting a little bit on what you're saying there, Chris, I mean, the word innovation is a word that I, I, I connect with. Uh, and also the word collaboration. I, I'm, I've been focusing in on these uh, words as well and, and, and uh, making these into reality and into, uh, if you will, the space that I'm able to have some, some say in, I think, uh, Uh, what what I uh, also in, in the, the space that I'm able to have a little bit of influence in these days is is also advising uh, those who who uh, who have uh, authority and and uh, in, in uh, influencing uh, if you will the regulatory framework that these entities are operating in and uh, these uh, the markets that they're in their the industry that they're in and uh, is is uh, is indeed to uh, embrace uh, the innovation that's taking place in whatever space you're in. And in my world, it's the world of chemicals and recycling and so on. Uh, and, um, and, and to the, this cliche that I, I thought it was coming out of the U.S., but, you know, we coming from the U.S., we think everything comes from us. But, but it was actually uh, Voltaire from, uh, you know, the French uh, philosopher, mathematician, I believe, Uh, uh, saying, quoting a, an Italian proverb, which basically, 
Um, don't don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. You know, you've probably heard that. Perfect, and uh, I think that that is really a relevant one because uh, I think uh, if we're not careful, in in some cases. Uh, we can sit back and wait for this, these perfect solutions to come along. And, and while we're doing this, you know, we're, we're, we're burning plastic or we're making more and more fossil-based plastic and not doing anything about recycling it or uh, not shifting away to the extent we can to, uh, you know, renewable uh, carbon uh, type of models, uh, waiting for perfect solutions to come. Uh, versus saying, okay, let's let's believe in, in the innovation that we're doing. Let's believe in what it is that we can do, and, and let's uh, let's move the ball forward with implementing per, uh, good solutions today to the extent that they are good, and and, and uh, let's work on making them better. Um, and because I do, uh, I'm not cynical. I'm not cynical, but I do think that sometimes we can get caught up, uh, meaning the world I'm in, into this kind of. Uh, waiting for the perfect uh, to come along. Uh, and, and in the meantime, uh, the opportunity to make something a little bit better passes. So I, I would also uh, say that that uh, let's, we shouldn't wait for perfect to come along and, and let's take what we have that's already good and put it in place and slowly make it better. Uh, I think it's also uh, what, what I would reflect on too here. Yeah, I think just to put it together, I think we we just said, <coughs> oh, uh, as uh, as uh, you mentioned before, Jake Woodall, she was very optimistic, and I I like this about your statement, like uh, that uh, it's about collaboration and thinking bold, but it's also something that you know we can do, and it has been shown that through even you know the collaborations in industry that it works like <clears throat> we we can be positive about this that we have uh, we have the the power to do that um, if you know the awareness is there the platforms the ecosystems are there to do that so i think that's a but maybe good, uh, maybe can i interrupt because you said that i also loved that Jane Goodall always talked about hope and it was funny because i also had a great interview with captain paul watson Mm -hmm. You know, the founder of Sea Shepherd, and I told him that Jane Goodall talked about hope, and his answer was, I don't give a shit about hope. I don't believe in hope. <laughs> so he's exactly opposite opinion. So he's just like the pirate, you know? And he doesn't believe in hope at all. He just wants to. Yeah, but it's about not, maybe not hope, but optimism, right? Yeah, yeah, it exactly. Have to so. be connected to hope, like you just, I mean, you don't have to hope, you have to be optimistic. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and that's she's in role model for that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's important. Um, yeah, so we already announced that we have one final question that we always ask our guests, which is a very important one, um, because we curated over the last two years a Plastic Climate Future playlist because we also believe that music is something that connects people. And uh, we ask every guest uh, to name one or two songs um, that we could then put on this playlist that connects either to the podcast or to them or to the episode or that is simply a good a good uh, piece of music that people should listen to yeah yeah I, st I still love Aussie Aussie music Australian music uh, but so 
maybe the first one i really loved it it's uh, hip-hop actually australian hip-hop oh. it's from okay. a, a, a band called blizzard Ezo, and they created a, a great song uh, uh featuring the john butler trio and it was back when i was there 2009 but this song is so relevant to our time now uh you just have to listen for it please naso featuring john butler trio and the title is called the sea is rising uh and it's it's really a cool song it's hip-hop uh but yeah really really cool cool um uh cool message this is great i'm gonna listen to this this is gonna make us uh, even we're gonna be more cool just by listening to this this will be helpful for me this is great <laughs> yeah super man <laughs> And maybe the second one, but you probably have it on your playlist because it's like if you're an ocean guy, uh, you must love this song. Also an Aussie, uh, John Butler, he has uh, this song called Ocean, which is uh, an instrumental version. No, we don't have it. No, we don't have it. We don't have it. Ah, yeah, sure. you have to Google it. And there is also a, a, a studio recording. I think if you Google John Butler Ocean, you, you come straight on YouTube to this uh, version of the studio recording. It's just an instrumental piece, but he's, it's such a great uh, guitarist uh, and such a cool dude. And uh, yeah, those two, John Butler Ocean and Please Nezo Seas Rising. Okay, we got our first yeah thanks a lot chris um thanks for 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 taking the time and you know uh i think we we've uh, had a great uh, uh learning also from from uh, what we talked about for to to have your perspective here um and especially i i like the the final <laughs> discussion about hope optimism and, and what we can bring as an advice <laughs> to the to the young generation as well um i think for me it's it's, it's the best to see you know it's always a, a human being behind all this uh, even if you me i i do run a lot and i i used to use runtastic uh, in the beginning so i know the, the app very well and now it's so nice to see and there is actually a person behind it and there is you know we are all humans that can do something and that can achieve something and this is uh this was a uh, the, the best experience for me tonight so um yeah i hope we connect again um we're following definitely your activities and also the guests of uh, your podcast that you have and we're going to connect all the links uh, to the show notes for sure because i think you're doing much greater and much more uh much uh, more professional work than we with our no, no i don't think so here, but, <laughs> but um yeah and and as as we already heard you have also great guests uh, that you you have and i think uh, this can can be definitely Definitely, this was not definitely not the, the last time that that we talk here. Hundred percent, and I will follow your podcast as well. Uh, I think soon you will have a friend of mine, Joel Tasche, also a fantastic guy. Uh, yeah, so I I look forward to the episodes to come and to all that you have already recorded. 